Welcome. Podcast ain't played nobody. And and still, uh, even though the playoff has been named, even though the Bulls have been selected, still nobody has played anybody uh, anywhere in the country. So uh, we're right there with them. Godfrey, how was your, uh, how was Indiana? Um, If you've ever seen the movie Road to Perdition, it was like that with a couple extra TGI Fridays. That's it. Do they still have the waffle steaks, the waffle steakhouses? Yes. A, yes. Okay, it was, I, um, it was the first time I haven't had to, uh, I'm trying to think, pull off the side of the road because of some major storm or problem in Indiana. So that was nice. <laughs> um, the last time I did a big 10 title game, the, all the roads were frozen over in true glorious big 10 fashion. And then, uh, I did a sweet 16 up there and an ice storm did the same thing. So I was super happy about that. Um, it was um, it was a really interesting game, Bill, because we like to um, either reinforce or debunk narrative, and it did both at the same time all night long. Where there's like 400 credentialed media, it was really big, really big event because obviously it was it, whether Jeff Long wants to admit it or not, it was a de facto playing game, and we all kind of sat on our hands for three quarters, thinking like, "This is so Big Ten. <laughs> this is oh god." This is in prime time. This is ugly. They don't know how to score points. This is terrible. And then right in the euphoria of that last drive, the 22-play drive by Michigan State to win the game, it was like, oh, my God, this is so Big Ten. This this <laughs> is the Big Ten. Um, and so I I don't know. Neither of those statements was was, was incorrect. Um, yeah, the games like this are just funny because, um, you know, when I'm doing the, at the end of the year, I'll do my, you know, top 100 games of the year list. And th- that one will end up pretty high, even though it was unwatchable for three quarters. I mean, but just I the, would, the fourth just, quarter was just perfect. It was absolutely perfect. You had the big play. Uh, you had Iowa looking like it was just about ready to seize the game. And then you had Michigan State deflating the ball and barely winning at the end. So it was it was so bad to watch. To the point where I had multiple other items and projects going on, namely the the Will Muschamp to South Carolina thing, and was on not on the phone, but I was I was in our Slack chat with two different editors. I was working on something else involving the Piesman in real time, and let's just say, like as a reporter who was there to cover the game, I gravitated away from it for a good bit, and yet still was able to sort of capture the important part because it was just the one drive honestly that was it yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> and i mean the, the it really was i mean the, the the way the momentum shifted back and forth in the fourth was really cool but yeah no i mean i i was actively watching other games i i was recording the three big games all at once but uh, i was mostly watching clemson north carolina live and then finally decided okay fine i'll flip over um and then it was awesome <laughs> So yeah, if uh, they, if they could have let us flip over, like just had, had the Clemson North Carolina game. Cause I was trying to stream that in the press box at Lucas oil. Um, because it was interesting and, uh, because North Carolina had a shot. I will say, um, I don't know how or why or, or what about this game seemed to change people's minds who don't like, I guess who aren't inside the big 10 or follow it week to week, but people suddenly seem to respect Iowa. Which is interesting. Um, well, I mean, this was their first opportunity. This is the first time they played a top twenty team, and you know, granted, it was one where Connor Cook did not look good. I mean, I think the fact that you've got maybe the best quarterback in the Big Ten, um, or well, you know, depending on your view of Ohio State quarterbacks, 
Um, and then on that last 22 play drive, you barely had him throw the ball. Um, I, I think that pretty much said what we needed it to. I mean, that, that was, I, that, that said everything we need to know about his injury, but, um, you know, <laughs> whatever it worked, it worked. It's, um, I, I, uh, I'm 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 trying to to think of nice things to say about both teams often. I was actually sort of impressed. Um it I thought it was going to be worse than it was, which is a really strange thing to say about a game that was nothing but sort of like field goals and 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 field position the entire game, but um yeah, I I guess it was just that I was that impressed with the way Michigan State was able to control the ball and how good they look going down the field because Iowa has a good defense. It was very um it was stout. It was um and also I will say this it was an awesome atmosphere. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like better than, gosh, it's better than about twenty of these bowl games we're about to talk about. Um, it was well, better than it was better than a lot of regular season games I've been to this year with really good ranked teams, and it was as much a reinforcement of the conference championship model as the SEC has ever thought about being, and even more so because these were not the brand name teams that the league wanted. And that stadium was completely sold out with Iowa fans spending up to like five to six hundred dollars for upper deck tickets. So good on yeah. them. Yeah, this was one of those games where I kind of hate having ratings that I need to look good or I need to refer to sometimes because from a ratings perspective, this game did nothing for Iowa. You know, they um, they were kind of lucky to be in terms of like scoring opportunities and whatnot. They were kind of lucky to have the lead late. Um, they couldn't stop what was basically a bad, uh, you know, a mostly bad run game at the end. They, you know, no big plays, but they still, Michigan State was able to run the ball 22 times and score. Um, so it, it did nothing for, from, for them from a ratings perspective, but it makes me feel bad even thinking that because it was awesome. They came that close to the playoff. They, uh, the fans were so into it that, that the explosion that happened when they connected on that long bomb was amazing on TV, much less in person. Yeah. Um, so there was just so much about that and, and everything that was so many good things about college football. And so I kind of hate having to then look at the ratings and say, yeah, they still didn't go up, guys. So I just kind of ignored it. I just posted the ratings and didn't say a word. It's, um, you know, I guess looking back now, when you know, if you were if you were to watch that game and know that the drive was coming, I think it would make the game a lot better. Yeah. Right. That's, that's not a stupid thing to say. So. I, you, you leave having that been, been the, the, the the whole keynote of the game, last drive, all the euphoria that comes with it. I mean, plus it really very much was a, a playing game. So as much as you had the the exaltation of Michigan State, but you also had like a team that was basically flat out eliminated in the last five minutes of a game that they were leading. So it was great stakes. I was I was really impressed by the whole deal. Um, shout out to Iowa fans. I, I I tried to social media it up with the Iowa fans. They were they were outnumbering Michigan State in the in the Indianapolis downtown area, I'd say five to one at one point because <laughs> the Michigan state fans that were in the stadium, I don't know where they were pregame. So, uh, it was great. It was, um, it was my game of the day. Cause it's just about the only one I saw sort of listening to Texas beat a quarterbackless Baylor on the radio. Um, what did I miss? Did I miss anything of relevance other than the favorites punching in? Uh, not really. I mean, even the morning games, you know, Southern Miss threatened to, you know, take down Western Kentucky and the Western Kentucky said, yeah, we're better. Um, Houston did the same to Temple. No, I mean, it really was um, until the evening. It was pretty ho-hum. And I guess tech, from a results standpoint, it was ho-hum in the evening, too. But obviously, we don't just look at the results. The games themselves, Stanford, USC was a lot of fun. Um, 
and I mean, Clemson, North Carolina, even though Clemson pulled away and then and, and North Carolina tried to reel them, reel them in. And then they got that awful, awful, awful offsides call at the end. That was still a fun game too. So, I mean, it was an entertaining evening, but from a results perspective, from a major storylines perspective, there wasn't much other than the fact that we know for, for a fact that Baylor, not even Baylor has such a plug and play offense that they can go to their fourth string quarterback and, and continue to move the ball. They were, they were struggling with their third stringer too, obviously, but um yeah, there is no such thing as a plug-and-play offense, apparently. As I was coming in Indianapolis, I was checking Twitter and a bunch of Oklahoma, like the entire Oklahoma State fans, team, community, the whole deal, they were like super excited because that put them in the Sugar Bowl. And which yeah. is, I guess, with with no personal affinity to the to like the bowl system, um, in fact, I'm one of the few people who thinks that the Rose Bowl is what's wrong with college football right now, <laughs> the... Uh, the excitement to go to bump up to a bowl like that. I'm not sure exactly where Oklahoma, I guess it's wherever, where's Baylor now, whatever. Um, Alamo, it, I think. Uh, yeah. It was cool to see. It was very cool to see. Cause those games have ended up being pretty good these last two years, those surrounding bowls. And so, um, that was interesting. They, they're going to play Ole Miss again. It'll be the third time they've played Ole Miss. I think in the last yeah. like 10 or 12 years in a bowl, um, we can, I guess we could start there with the partner bowls before we beat the playoff to death. There's some really nice, like there's just some nice football viewing for that has nothing to do with the national title whatsoever. I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah. And I mean, they're always, when you got 40 bowls, you're going to have some absolute awful dud. Don't watch this kind of games, but no, I mean, starting from the very start, you know, just from an aesthetic standpoint, we're starting bowl season with BYU, BYU, Utah. Uh, that's awesome. And then, you know, the night game, the New Orleans Bowl, Louisiana Lafayette kind of died this year. But we still get Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech, and that'll be fun. That'll be – there'll be a good crowd there. And Arkansas State is ridiculously hot at, at, at this point. So uh, – Can I jump in real fast, Bill? I was I was um, segueing into like, – I thought you were going to talk about Notre Dame and Ohio State. Well, or we'll like get there. Tom we'll get Herman there. versus Florida State. And, uh, no, I love you, man, because you, you were like, hey – this, this, you know, these are great bowls. Let me tell you about Arkansas State and La Tech. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I have a reputation to uphold here. No, I mean, but yeah, from the very start, you got those, you got Toledo Temple, and then, like, starting on about, what, uh, 28, well, there's nothing good on the 28th, really. 29th, you know, you get North Carolina Baylor, 30th is good, you get a couple of like NC State, Mississippi State, A&M, Louisville type games that will be good. I mean, they're, you know, not amazing college football, but they should be pretty good games and, and, and fun teams and personalities. And then, of course, the 31st is good. The, the first is still good because you've got Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, and uh, this Notre Dame, Ohio State game you wanted to bring up. Um, and Iowa, Stanford, might, I can't, it might not be watchable, but it'll, it should be good, fun, physical, close, slow All football. Right, uh, let, so that's something. Uh, I want to jump in there, too. It is we we talk about how much we love to watch Stanford. Like that's the new thing. That's the new cool thing is to talk about Stanford and their offense. Not among necessarily like you and I, but it, probably in the greater media community. Um, what's wrong when you have two offenses like that and two defenses? I, I'm fine with that. Well, I don't think. I, and when those teams meet each other, rarely is it what we think it's going to be. Well, and I mean, I, part of that was just that Iowa's offense isn't very good. Now, I mean, you make a point. Stanford's defense isn't very good. So Iowa's offense should be relatively successful. We could actually, cre- you know, creep out there both teams into the 20s or whatever at least. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I was stereotyping. I was unfairly stereotyping. I'm just – I'm here to police your thoughts. 
<laughs> uh, no, I think it's um, as we as we speak, I'm typing out my bowl picks sheet because I'm the next to the last person on staff to do this. Um, although I did have to drive home from Indiana, uh, I. I would not sleep on Western Kentucky and South Florida just because of the styles of offense and the oh, off, yeah. the off-field storyline, obviously, of Willie Taggart coming from his alma mater in Western, Western Kentucky to a South Florida job that he was going to lose six weeks ago, and he interviewed for the South Carolina job. That's how fast <laughs> things change. Um, I am, uh, again, I, I don't know if it's even possible to separate like our junkie mentality from like a casual recommendation. Cause like, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm going to watch Bowling Green and Georgia Southern. So, uh, I would, if I had to make a recommendation of someone who's maybe not as, um, far gone as we, um, let's start with Miami and Washington state. That could be fun. Um, uh, I think Arizona, New Mexico, just that's the first one. Yeah. The 19th that that's a Holy war, right? Holy war. Yeah, I don't think you need anything in t- in terms of like a, a, a pure football there. Just just line up rivals. Nice to see rivals in a bowl game. Ain't <clears throat> them in Texas. Uh, Southern Miss in Washington. I'm just more interested in the Southern Miss team right now and how good they really are. Um, I'm actually I'm on the other side. I'm interested in Washington because my my numbers have really liked them all year. They basically had three or four incredible performances that have raised their ratings. Yeah, uh, and then they then for the rest of the year they've been you know fre- a team full of freshmen and sophomores, and they've been flaky and not very impressive. So um, they're going to be a team that I think a lot of people, it, well, especially if they play well in basically a road game against Southern Miss. Um, if they play well, that's a team that I think a lot of people might start talking themselves into in the off season. So, and that's really, that's, I, you know, I put out this thing this morning, uh, the bowl watchability, we kind of faux use numbers here to talk about quality and evenness and whatnot. And it works pretty well. And of course, since people are hungry for that content, it's good, you know, hashtag web content. Um, but really <laughs> like a lot of, there are always the storylines of bowl season that are fun to that are maybe fun to get into if if you're a hardcore addict at least, and that is you know who are we going to be talking ourselves into and who <laughs> who who is completely laying an egg that has already had a coaching change doesn't care at all. Um, trying to figure out you know how to categorize these bowls. Oh, I'm doing um, stupid stuff like right now as you say this. Um, I just picked Nebraska to beat UCLA. By the way, this is why we don't do picks on this show because I'll do something stupid just to see if it ha- like I, I mean I'm very much a, like hey y'all stand back let's see what happens. Well, I mean that is see, and I can immediately tell you like that's anytime you get a situation where one team feels like far less deserving than the other of being somewhere, they're the ones that play pissed off, and the other team takes it easy, like that Arizona State Texas Tech game a couple years ago. So there might actually I mean you could certainly talk yourself into Nebraska for that very reason. Now UCLA is way better. <laughs> Um, it's very. But they might not care. They might not care. They might not really want to be there. Uh, the more, the far, the further I go, farther I go in my career, um, and the more the you, you you get behind the curtain, the tougher it is for me to appreciate some of these bowl games because you talk to so many coaches and administrators that are focused on so much other stuff than the than their bowl game. And I really think that's the case for probably all, but maybe nine or ten of these games where you have recruiting as 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 the paramount. You have a coaching change. You have interim staff. You have guys who are looking for jobs. You have some of these coaches are going to coach in a game in possibly in a, in, a, in a role or position they haven't done all year because they're filling in or they're compensating or whatever. And then they're going to get on a plane and go to the AFCA convention and try and find another job a week later. So no one's mind is sort of in the right place now. As a 
pure fan, I used to just look at the, I, I used to say, ah, more bowls as much as I can. Let's, let's cram it in. Let's get as much football, college football product as we can until it's over. And now I realize that it is, it's already over for so many people. And this is very much an exhibition of no relevance or consequence, um, which is why it, was it a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the bowl bounce effect and um, Hey, that's a good question right now, actually in real time, what looking at this schedule, who do you think is going to be unfairly propped up after a bowl win? You know, besides USC. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. I stand by my, I, I have nothing against USC. I stand by my off season hatred of that program. <laughs> um, Let's see. I'm scrolling through here. I, I'm not. Let's see who's who's most likely to win a blowout, uh, and therefore, I don't think Texas Tech's very good, and so Fournette could rush for like 280 or something. And um, oh yeah, all those problems will be solved. Yeah. So that that's one thing that could happen. Um, I like, but yeah, I like um, North Carolina to beat Baylor, and maybe we get a little stupid there. Yeah. Oh, um, our, you know, you're, our, you know, if we're we're talking about reruns, Arkansas is much, much, much better than Kansas State. Yep. And and again, bowl effects. You know, that maybe they rally. Maybe you know, Snyder tells them before the game that he's retiring or something. I don't know. They're they're all you know, motivation will always be a massive factor. But in terms of just on paper, Arkansas is way better, and so that we could just have a repeat of last year's bowl bums. As I look through, not not to spoil the the bull picks here, but as I look through, I think only one person right now has Auburn beating Memphis. Yeah, think, that's a momentum thing. I, I I I picked Memphis, but I don't feel very good about that. The 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 reverse bull bounce of of the like the the histrionics. Let's call it the Alabama Sugar Bowl Award. Um, that's probably that's going to be Auburn. Although things are bad, things are. Things are dire in in a lot of certain areas. They're not as bad a football team as we would as they as they are right now. But in terms uh, another of, one, if uh, if we're also talking about reruns um, on paper, Tennessee is much 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 better than Northwestern. Uh, of course, the thing there is you, you know if the game's close in, in the fourth quarter, you know who's going to win uh, because only one team has won those games this year. Tennessee's but, a really interesting story to me because they're going to finish the year they finished the year eight and four we like them to win the bowl game that's going to be nine games they'll have won seven the year before and there's just like no you don't feel being like being physically close to the program as i am like you don't feel that people are riding a wave to the top you know people people are not people are not um People are not predicting a 2016 to 2017 where you have a double-digit win season. They, and they possibly could. It's yeah. just the anxiety because of the specific games they lost this year yeah. and the way they lost them. This is just yeah. not a program that feels like it's on the rise in terms of, of, of what the fans talk about. It, it, it actually, on paper, is on the rise. Yeah, I mean, there's no question it's it's on the rise. And they, they didn't improve a, just a ton this year, but they improved a little bit more. But no, it's one of those things. It's like um, offensive coordinators who overthink. We resent the coaches who you know blow some games late, even if it is partially random. You can think back to OU Tennessee, all the little things that had to go OU's way to even make the game even possible uh, in terms of comebacks. Um, you know, a lot of things had to happen for them to lose those games outside of them just going into a hilariously conservative shell. 
uh, and letting opponents stick around. So that's a team that on that that was very that was good on paper. Returns a lot next year. Uh, it could be very good. And if they kill Northwestern with you know, despite themselves, we can talk about you know not feeling it or whatever. But just you know, they'll still end up in like the top twelve next year, especially when you look at the rest of the SEC East. And you know, so people you were noticing that somebody has to win the division. Um, so yeah, and but I mean, if they blow it against Northwestern, if they you know blow a fourth quarter lead and lose to Northwestern, then maybe that does tamp things down a lot, just because of just because we've seen it, and and when we've seen it a few times in a season, we assume we will always see it. As we creep a little closer towards the not playoff but New Year's games, um, in terms of narrative, I like. Um, I think the Florida Michigan winner because people will start to look at Florida season as, as a, as a single product. Um, if Florida were to beat Michigan, that would be a huge bump for them into the off season justifiably or no. I mean, you're still looking at a situation where you have your really good quarterback is suspended for half the year next year. Right. You haven't really figured out how to live without him. Um, but the freaking division is so screwed up. So you still have a shot. Um, and then Michigan's just going to ride. It's just going to ride Michigan PR. Yeah. So if they win, yeah, no. which, they, which they probably will. Yeah, that was one thing about Saturday that kind of frustrated me a little bit was, um, you know, the SEC was bad. I have the numbers to prove the or the SEC East, excuse me, with, I have the numbers to prove that it was bad. But everybody was acting like Florida had been this bad all season. Like, how could this team win the division? Like, well, they didn't. They pretty much had the division one when, when uh, Greer got suspended. Uh, if Greer got suspended the first game of the season, I, well, I'm not sure. I guess Tennessee would have probably won the division. Um, and they, you know, they only lost to Alabama by five earlier. So, um, and by the way, as long as we're talking about, you know, complaining about, you know, Twitter, which is kind of the most fun, one of the more fun things about college football for the first two months of the year and then is just incessantly annoying the last month of the, of the regular season. Uh, a note to SEC fans. Uh, we made fun of the Big Ten championship game for being unwatchable, too. Note to Big Ten fans, we made fun of the SEC championship for being unwatchable, too. Like The, the, the victimization on Twitter in, during both of those games. Oh, sure, if this was in the Big Ten, we would uh, people would be making fun of it. People were making fun of it constantly. Uh, so just, you know, you, you're not special in that regard. We, we, every, they, they were making fun of everything, uh, both games equally. But anyway. Just like sorry. to point out. You've got me stuck on this now. Will Greer taking an illegal substance performance enhancer, right? Yeah. Florida still only beats Tennessee by the grace of Tennessee's own error. Yeah. By one point in a comeback. They beat Kentucky 14 to 9, and they beat an Eastern Carolina team that fired their coach by seven points at home. Yeah, and Missouri, that was Missouri gave up two good drives in the first quarter, and that was it. Florida averaged like two yards of play after that. So that, yeah, they were, they were not dominant, but their defense was so good. They were still in the top 10 of the computer ratings. I will say that um, because that defense was so good. And if you Um, swing back around with defensive injuries, I would be fascinated to see what a healthier Ole Miss defense looks like against a a Greerless uh, floor. You you honestly may flip the score there. Yeah. And, and so, you know, but that game was hinting at an offensive ceiling, even though Ole Miss was injured. Um, so, I mean, they, they were certainly, because of the defense, they were a, a top 10 or 12 or 14 team before uh, Greer was sent out. The first couple of games with Harris, they kind of they, they figured a few things out until opponents got film, and then it was over. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, they were still a pretty good team that, you know, was kind of like the Florida, like the 2012 Florida team almost in, in that, you know, they were clearly good. Their, their defense was clearly awesome, but they were still fl- just flawed enough to make you think you had a chance and they were, and the games were still close because the tempo was down. And, uh, but yeah, no, Ole Miss, there is one, uh, you know, I said this a couple times on this podcast this season, like I, there is no more fun defense in the country to watch than healthy Ole Miss defense. Um, like when, when all those pieces were clicking, uh, just, you know, the speed involved, the attitude involved, it was just so much fun. And we got to see that defense like three times this year. Like even by the, by the Alabama game, they had already lost, uh, what's his name, the defensive tackle. So that just as a, as a college football fan, I feel sad that I didn't get to watch that defense more. Instead, I got to watch them, you know, just get massacred by Memphis um, and really struggle in the middle portion of that season before starting to rally again at the end. And it looks like they're probably going to be on the bad on the bad side of that for the bowl game. Uh, Fadal Brown and uh, Tony Connor. Tony Connor's a name I, I went to Ole Miss, so I probably know his name a little bit better than most people. He's, he's awesome. A, he's a first round quality safety. Um, I don't know. They're both out for the bowl game. They're both having surgery, so I don't know what his draft status is. He may or may not ride the wave out of Oxford. Uh, of yeah, that probably. Class, I assume he so. will, but yeah, we'll see. Um. So. I really liked, I mean, actually, that takes us right back to where we're, I really like the Ole Miss-Oklahoma State matchup. Oh, yeah, that's I, what we were talking about. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I really like that game. Um, I really like, uh, I don't think either team would take necessarily much of a PR bump out of it, though. Um, Ole Miss is going to be a really strange deal because they lose so much at yeah. the top end to the draft, um, and they're going to get an unusual amount of PR. They're going to get an Alabama-sized amount of PR in it from the NFL media, Um they do have to compete in the West next year, but they are from what I'm being told closing in on another top 10 class. So they may quietly be better next year, not or not better next year than they were this year, but better than you would expect a program like Ole Miss that loses so much top end talent. They could very much be a comfortable seven and five next year um, rather than bottoming out. So it'll be interesting to see. I think both and, and so that you don't get accused of being a homer. Uh, I, I was going to notice, by the way, I, I noticed this the other day and I was going to note it. I should say like Chad Kelly, I'm assuming Chad Kelly comes back. I guess that's not, a he is on the coming back side of that right now. He will get it. He will, he will ask for a grade, but I'm told he will probably come back right now. That could change. Uh, Stringfellow is a sophomore, uh, out of boy. Joe's a, a junior, but I don't know if he's, Really, at that Dang, where he could I declare, um, Cody. Well, wait, Cody Kors is a senior, but um, you know th- that passing game could still be very, very good next year. The running game probably won't be worse. Um, so they've got that going for them. And then on, <laughs> on defense, um, you know, Gates has stepped up a little bit. Uh, Kendarius Webster is a sophomore. Obviously, you know, Mike Hilton, uh, Kim DJ, Elston. Um, Right on down the list, C.J. Johnson. Um, I don't know about Brown, but maybe. Uh, and you know, Connor's barely played this year, but you know, if he's gone too, like they still have, they're still going to be a decent team. They're still going to be a top forty team, probably. Um, it's just you know, they're not in the SEC East, so that they'll they'll probably still struggle a little bit. Um, Houston and Florida State. I've seen Houston twice. Uh, I have not seen Florida State in person. I've watched a good bit of Florida State. There is a talent discrepancy. Discrepancy. There is a size discrepancy. 
Yeah, um, the size thing. I, that's that's what kind of concerns me about this game. Like, there is a natural speed discrepancy to go along with that size. <laughs> However, I think that it will be entertaining to watch. Yes. Yeah. I don't I, think, I think it is going. I don't think it is going to be an out and out, but just a, just a route. No, yeah, Florida State just in terms of size that that concerns me. I was hoping that somehow we'd end up with like Houston versus like Notre Dame. I think that could have been fun. Houston Ohio State would have been amazing. Uh, Ohio State would have won, but that would have still just the fun of of Urban versus Herman would have been great. Um, like there there were some matchups there that I was kind of hoping for. I did not. I didn't want Houston Florida State because I do think Florida State's size is going to be uh, a major major issue. Yeah, they're going to wear down Houston's defense. You're going to see Houston succeed on offense with um, a combination of trick plays and working with space and passing a lot better than people realize. Um, It's going to be a great platform for Houston. Um, Now, the other thing is, I mean, Florida State's offense. I think Tom Herman's, I mean, I don't know if he can be bumped any higher. Yeah, I don't think he can. But even, I mean, if they play Florida State well, it's just the amount of hype around that guy is just going to be insane going into the offseason. And by the way, they open 16 in the Houston Texans Stadium against Oklahoma. Yeah, I have the feeling we might be talking about that game a little bit. Wee bit, yeah. Yeah, but that that's where um, – that, that was the matchup I didn't want, but it'll still be good. And, I mean, Florida State's offense, if Cook isn't scoring on 75-yard runs, which he'll do like four times, um, that you know they are error-prone. They can stall out before getting to the end zone. And Houston's just trying to – you know that's their whole goal on defense is trying to, try to get you to you know keep you out of the end zone long enough to turn you over. Um, and so you know maybe they can get a couple turnovers and make that a game for a while, but – um, yeah, we'll see. Either way, either way, the Herman bump, I think, he, he, I don't know how it could get any bigger. Could you provide me a uh, statistic, analytical, could you provide me a reason, a sane reason to watch Georgia and Penn State? Okay, moving uh, on. <laughs> the, the only, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious about Hackenberg at this point. You know, oh, he is okay. not ready to be pro, uh, but you know, oh, okay. but he's gonna. I know, and that marriage was rocky at best, and is about to be over between Hackenberg and that staff. Yeah, they did not give him enough help, and he is not. Well, anyway, I, I don't have a lot of good oh. things to say there, but okay, Oregon and TCU could be fun. Oh, well, that's going to be fantastic. That was in those watchability rankings that I um, posted. Like the two, the three games that I called appointment viewing, like the three top games on the list were the two semis in Oregon TCU. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Let's stick you, with that. Do one. you want to jump in on the semis now, or do you want to wait until next week? Or um, we, we can at, at first glance, they both look good. At first glance, I think they're both going to be competitive games. Yeah, I really. Um, this was what I was hoping for from a Styles perspective, because this way. This way we get two kind of similar matchups here that, with you know fun backstories and whatnot. And then in the finals, we're going to get kind of a, a, a contrast in styles. So um, that, this is what I was hoping for. I wasn't sure Michigan State was going to jump Oklahoma. Obviously, from a computer standpoint, that didn't make a lot of sense. But from a resume standpoint, it did. Uh, but I was hoping they would because I wanted to see Michigan State. Uh, I wanted to see Saban, D'Antonio, and I wanted to see Oklahoma, Clemson. And to all the Clemson fans who, like, 28 times over the weekend pointed out, well, I think we've already seen that game and we won it 40-6. to six. Like, uh, You know, a little bit's changed in 12 months. 
Um, that game doesn't really necessarily apply very much, but you know, it doesn't apply at all. It just, but you know, congrats for winning last year. That was that was fun. It it, it doesn't apply at all. There's only one bowl game that you that has relevance once it's over, and that's a national title game. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Um, mm-hmm. Oklahoma has a new offense. They have a totally a new, new quarterback. And a new quarterback. I mean, come on, no, yeah. Um, the thing that jumps out at me, if you're a Georgia fan or an Auburn fan, LSU fan, is or Penn State fan, <laughs> how these two head coaches on the one four matchup have been buoyed by uh, good assistant hires. Like Bob Stoops has been the master of of kind of shaking things up, refreshing, resetting the system, scrapping and, and rebuilding with with new assistants on both sides of the ball. And then Dabo, I think may, maybe even more so. They're still running a variation of what Chad Morris did. They have, you know, one of the best success stories in terms of like a, a defensive coordinator who came in and, you know, almost laid hands. They definitely had the talent there when, uh, when Venables got there, but wow, you know, yeah. they've done, I, I think he's done a better job this year than he has than he did last year. Oh yeah. I mean, last year's talent, anybody was going to do a pretty good job with that group this year. I mean, with the amount of turnover they had, they look a little thin. They, they kind of wore down at the end, but now they get a month to rest. So that's probably not an issue. So yeah, no, he's done an amazing job this year. Um, so I asked um, as many players as I could about Connor Cook's arm on Saturday night. I got differing responses and then uh, we'll go inside baseball here for a second. So, so at a conference title game like the Big Ten, it's not a normal setup for, for post game. You have an open locker room. So it's super crazy. There's pandemonium going on. It's not like a press rep walks out and they're like, okay, Connor Cook. So like he was doing something in a more like official setting, like a podium deal where there's a moderator and microphones. Like you'll, you'll see it after games on ESPN news. Sometimes I was in the open locker room with like the players coming out of the shower, screaming and throwing stuff. And like, cause I was, I was going for a little bit, something more visceral. Also there's 400 media there. So you're just trying to do something <laughs> different. So I did not ask, I didn't, I didn't get to cook himself, but um, his most of his offensive guys said he thought they thought that his arm was better, but not obviously it's not. I mean, he said himself that it, he was not a hundred percent out there. Yeah, that was clear. Super interesting to see what what the hell happens there because we've got this large gap until the thirty first today. I mean, as we record this a day early, I might add because I'll explain that in a second. On the seventh, we have twenty some odd days. I don't know how much he can improve in that time or how, how healthy he can get. And they have to, he has to be able to throw well. If he can't throw very well, they're, they're toast. They, you can't run on Alabama, uh, especially if it's not kind of a spready kind of thing. Uh, you, what Michigan State did on that last drive against Iowa, Alabama's run defense and defensive front is, uh, is so, so, so much better than Iowa's or anybody else's in the country. I just don't so, understand how they, how they, they, they go – in a, in a completely different direction in three weeks. Because the only teams that we've seen that, that have success against Alabama are utilizing space, usually have a mobile quarterback. Um, I mean, that was the big thing for Ole Miss this year was just making them run around a lot. Like that's the yeah. simplest explanation for what they were successful with, like other than the turnovers and other than the maybe a little bit of mental, oh, also the quarterback situation too. Since, since, uh, Cooper Batman started that game. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, so that's, nothing looks good on paper for Michigan State right now, but, you know, still worth playing the game. Well, they're going to be, you know, their defense is uh, 
is good enough that, you know, Henry's probably not going to rush for 300 yards. He's going to be – I don't know if Michigan State's defense is uh, quite as good as, as Florida's, um, but, you know, it'll be more of a four yards per carry thing where, you know, they're not going to pull away unless the, uh, unless the other team helps them. And so, I mean, that's the – these last two weeks we've seen Alabama very kind of methodically inch ahead – uh, and eventually win by double digits like they're supposed to, but they gave the opponent plenty of time to make plays and, and you know take the lead if their offense was worth anything, and, and obviously they weren't. But Michigan State's going to have a chance. I mean, the thing Connor Cook has masked so many issues within this year. Like you know, it's weird to say considering how much of that that final drive was running. But Michigan State hasn't run the ball very well this year. They're they're better at it now because the line's finally healthy. Um, but even when they were bad at it, they would just run into, you know, they'd run on first down, run on second down, and then Connor Cook would throw for 15 yards on third and eight. The assumption and, was that they were going to have to go over the top to beat Iowa. Right. That's certainly they, a good portion it, of my preview. <laughs> they did it, I think, twice in that drive, uh, maybe. Yeah. Without looking at the actual play calls now. Um, they ran the ball. They ran the, and they didn't even run the ball with, with much dominance. They just ran it uh, just efficient enough. I would love, yeah, oh, yeah, to, see, yeah, there I would was love no to see like there. they got you know yeah. three, three yards on third and three type of right, stuff. Right, right. So. I would love for you to just absolutely take apart that thing in the offseason because this was not this was mathematically enough it just enough at every single point. Right. And you know the the wide receiver group. And, and some of the offensive linemen we've been talking about, like when, when, when they did call a pass play, they were not trying to break out. I mean, if you have a scoring opportunity, take it. But by and large, every single pass call was a, just a, it was the same philosophy as run. Just get the first down, get down, keep it going, keep grinding. I mean, that was that's a hell of a recipe to win a game like that against a team like that after three quarters of football like that. Yeah. I don't, and none of that applies to Alabama. Well, right. I mean, there's, there's, you don't see many 22, 22 play drives. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. It's, it's so hard to continuously get three yards on third and three. Um, and you're just, you're not going to have 33 on Alabama in those situations. You're going to have third and eight. And it's going to, Cook's going to have to complete some passes. He won't have to throw for 500 yards because, Mich- because Alabama probably won't be incredibly prolific. Um, but just Alabama's, offensive disadvantages are smaller than Michigan State's. And that's why, I mean, that's, that's why they're a clear favorite. That doesn't mean they're going to win, um, but it's why they're, they're certainly a justifiable favorite. I don't know what I think about the other game yet. So that's kind of one of why I nope. want to also, I, I just saw, I just saw the other one of these teams like 48 hours ago. Uh, yeah. The Clemson, Oklahoma, I've got to reeducate myself on Oklahoma because I've said this like five times in the show. I was at the Tennessee game. I was at Red River. So I need to sort of flush and, and renew what I think about the Sooners. Um, and it, I will go back and watch a couple of games in which they were dominant, maybe just to balance that out. But um, so far, I, I like. I feel like in my head, I'm assuming a larger Clemson victory than, it, than is likely probable. So we'll see. On paper, at this point in the season, because Clemson hasn't been quite as good over the last month, they're basically even on paper. And... Um, I mean, the reason for that is basically that Oklahoma, since that Texas game that you were there for, um, has just been awesome. I mean, they've been like, I, I, you know, the percentiles that I use in terms of your single game performance uh, on those stat profiles and whatnot, they were 44th percentile against Texas. Um, since then, 99th, 94th, 95th, 96th, 81st and 72nd, 96th. So, um, I mean, that's you know, an incredibly elite level in five of seven games since Texas. And, um, 
Yeah, they're just, I mean, they've, they've, they've clicked to some degree. They are going to pass better than you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's probably going to give them uh, uh, some, you know, they, they're going to actually, the thing that surprises me the most having watched the Texas game also is they're now up to sixth in rushing defense in my rushing defense numbers. That seems crazy because Texas was able to push them around far more than they should have been. Exactly. Able to push them they, they were, they were anemic up front. Yeah. And um, they do still get pushed around in power in short yardage situations. Do you feel like the numbers don't understand Oklahoma? Well, I mean, when you've been that good for seven games, I think they understand you pretty well. Okay. But um, but I mean, you can also dial in enough to find those weaknesses. They're 114th in, in on defense and power success rate. The you know second and short, third and short, short kind of situations. Um, but. They uh, they also hold you to a just a ton of two yard gains on uh, when you're running the ball, and Clemson isn't breaking big gains on deep on, on in the run game unless it's Deshaun Watson. So um, you know that's I think Watson himself has actually masked a ton of issues for Clemson this year on offense. Their running game really isn't that explosive. Their passing game, um, <laughs> well, I mean he, he his receiving core is pretty young and he doesn't include like the top guy that they expected to have. You know, the, excuse me. Their best receiver is Artavis Scott. Averages nine yards a catch. This is a, an efficiency offense more than anything else, more than explosiveness. And um, when you can get away with that, if you've got a really good quarterback, who you know what we were just saying about Michigan State, who can com- continuously stay ahead of the chains, get into third and manageable, and convert it, you can do that when you've got Deshaun Watson. Anybody less than Deshaun Watson in Clemson would not be anywhere close to twelve, uh, thirteen and zero right now. See, that's why we have you. You have a much better grasp on, on that game than I do right now. I think uh, you didn't ask me who was going to win, and that's good because I don't know. But yeah, no, I don't. I'm just, I don't think anybody does right now. Um, so yeah, that that'll be the game. I, I that was the game I picked um, to cover, mainly because you know it's warmer, it's nicer, <laughs> but also it's uncertain. And I like I, I I don't know what I know. I don't know what I know. I do. Uh, I don't know what I think about Clemson as a one seed as 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 I, I it, it's just much more interesting to me than the fate accompli of Alabama in Dallas leaning on an, an opponent that they match up well against in almost every scenario. Really hope Michigan State makes a great game out of it. Don't want to sound like an SEC homer because I'm very much not, but um, would love to see Michigan State win the game just to continue to upend. Um, what we think we know so all that being said I, I mean if I had to pick that game right now I would have Alabama by 17 so that's why I'm going to the other game also Miami yeah I was gonna say I mean I like Dallas I've been to Dallas on January 1st uh, for a game and it was fun but I mean yeah go, go Miami on that one um I am headed to New York. That's why we're recording this a day early for a week of events, including the, by the way, including SB Nation's Peisman ceremony. That's right. I'm, I'll be there on Friday. You will? Yeah. That's awesome, buddy. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we're all going to be there having a big old time. Um, I'm headed up early for the um, uh, several different media events. Um, so one of the things I like to add, because Bill's um, obviously got uh, that, that whole stats thing, and my side of this is supposed <laughs> to be bringing the whole, you know, journalism thing there are kind of secret events that go on in college football outside of what the consumer sees and this week is one of them so you have no football going on save for army navy you have the heisen ceremony on saturday all of college football descends upon new york and i can't really explain how they started or why but you'll have um i'm actually 
a lot of people just go directly from the conference title games to New York. I'm home for a bit. Allegedly, I have a wife and child. Um, and then I'm headed up on Tuesday. There's the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame induction. There is uh, There are multiple conferences and events where a lot of athletic directors and coaches are going to be. Um, and then obviously there's the big push into the Heisman on Saturday. The Heisman isn't something we really talk about too much on this show. I don't have a ton of interest in it personally. I think it's very strange how much we push that award more than others in sports, but whatever. Um, so what I'll be doing is going up this week and having a lot of kind of quiet meetings and interviews with different 80s and coaches and representatives from networks because they're just as important as, as 80s are now. Um, one of the topics that will be broached is kind of far away from the football side of things that we talk about on this show, but there is still very much an anxious undercurrent about, of all things, people who cut the cable cord, the football consumers, because up until pretty much right now, the people that were keeping ESPN in business and ESPN thus keeping all these conferences in business with these huge fat checks and, and conference networks and all that were sports fans, were live sports. Um, I assume you have a regular good old American cable plan, Bill. Oh, yeah. Most people now don't. Um, and so they're trying we to figure out. To. As soon as we have a better option, we will not. But right now, it's still the best option for us. The, uh, the, the At 38 Godfrey household is seriously debating cutting in the offseason and trying to figure out a way around it for the next season. So not because of necessarily so much it's a financial drain, but because we just look at the model and think, why are we paying for this? What a stupid thing that we don't use. Um, So that's going to be talked about a whole ton. There will be less second guessing of the playoff model than I expected because you had a very clean year. Um, There will probably be a reinforcement of things that, uh, you know, I mean, well, I guess I'm dressing this up. A lot of people are going to pat themselves on the back about the playoff this year because there were it was clean. You didn't get that a lot. You didn't get that most years in the BCS. I think that Texas USC jumps out as one year, maybe the Oklahoma USC year. Yeah, more often than not, you had problems, and so that they have a clean finish this year in the structure that they set up. They're going to be super excited to tell all of us about how great their system is. So I would expect that as well. Um, <laughs> I would also expect just a lot of inside stuff. Um, trying to think stuff that would be interesting to you guys. By the way, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, uh, it, you know, same goes for like when we do S and P and advanced analytics, ask me, ask me, you know, uh, all this, all these conferences and meetings and what, you know, people are deciding and how this affects the sport, you know, give us a shout on Twitter. I'll try and answer uh, your questions. And actually ask him about S and P too, just out of curiosity. Don't ask me about S and P. I have to reread. I have to regularly reread a book I'm in that was written by the co-host of this show to keep that straight in my head. That's how that's how different our brains are. I don't know if I, should, I don't know if I should admit that, but I, that's the truth. Pretty embarrassing, huh? Yeah. I, I well, you know, that maybe that means it wasn't very well written. No. Oh wow. This, okay, now I have to reassure Bill. No, it, 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 dude, it means I failed business calculus three times at Ole Miss. Okay, it doesn't mean it, it is not an indictment on you. It's an indictment on whatever section of my brain that was that blunt force trauma, or substance abuse destroyed. So I wouldn't really take it personally. Um, uh, I'm not going to run down the list of all the 
like media stuff that goes on in New York. I don't think that's too interesting. Um, I'm just going to be there for the one where we celebrate fat guy touchdowns. That we can talk about. The Pison ceremony um, is about as easy a thing to explain as there is. Fat guy <laughs> scoring touchdowns and the celebration thereof. I was actually, I was totally okay with the fact that, um, you know, the, the Baylor tight end, uh, Lake Juan didn't get one of the three finalist spots. Because the the actual like while it was amazing watching him score a touchdown, the actual plays weren't that amazing, and the three finalists were really really cool plays. That's I that's as far. Good, yeah, I thought they did a good job. So good job Coleman committee. Out. Good job yeah. committee. Um, I did get to ask um, Michigan State Center, who was one of the, the nominees, about his about his thoughts and um he said he has not received he, he said that uh he didn't receive any criticism for his ball handling ability and that he was um he thought that he had pretty good form that's what he told yeah that, uh, yeah saturday night which i thought yeah i mean he sniffed he, the end zone right he, there was no doubt in his mind as he was going down there that he was scoring on that play and it and you know it showed absolutely um I think that's it. Uh, I don't have a ton to add about the New York stuff. Um, I will probably have some interesting things to bring back for the show next week. Um, I hope so. That's why I'm going up there. Um, if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to, to, to ask me. I'll be around a bunch of athletic directors. About half of the people that are on the playoff committee will be floating about in some way, shape, or form. Um, and there will be a lot of media people, such as Bill and myself, having a big old time at the Pison ceremony. And all that will be available, obviously, on SB Nation. And I don't think it's going up live. It's probably a Ryan Nanny question, but it'll be very close thereof. So you can enjoy it while you watch Army and Navy. Um, do, Bill, you have any possible prognostication of the Heisman? I feel like we should maybe cover that base. You know, it finally got interesting this week, um, to me, to me at least. Because you had like records being broken in a way that, um, you know, Derrick Henry breaking a Herschel Walker record. And, and I really, because, because I really like Derrick Henry, I, I, I was struggling to point out that any offensive record that is 35 years old should have been broken already. Um, but I mean, him racking up the yards he did and with the, um, just the frequency of the, 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 the jackhammer style of that Alabama offense um, was very impressive. Um, Christian McCaffrey, you know, uh, you know, since I'm, I'm crapping on everything here, the, the all-purpose yardage thing is, is a bunch of crap because uh, so much of it is based on kick returns. And even if you're just an average kick returner, if your defense isn't very good, you're going to get a lot of all-purpose yards. Um, so that, the fact that he broke Barry Sanders record didn't in and of itself impress me all that much, but he's so good. He's so, when you have a star player like that, he shouldn't be that good at, at leaking into space untouched. And part of that had to do with USC. Um, you know, it, it, after that game, you, uh, Clay Helton dropped the entire USC defensive coaching staff. Um, so that probably didn't hurt matters. But seeing the way he is able to create space for himself and, and just kind of leak out when a defender has his back turned, uh, he's not an actually very impressive runner, but if you give him any sort of open, I mean, sorry, a, a very efficient runner. Sorry, that was bad. Um, yeah. But the, the, his ability to find space and his ability to completely take advantage of the space he finds, uh, it comes through frequently. And, and he's such a fun uh, return man. I think he's got a really good case. And, and if he hadn't, 
if Stanford hadn't lost to Northwestern early and, and if Stanford hadn't lost to Northwestern because of offense, uh, I think he'd be a, he'd have a much stronger chance this week. But so many people just started to, to immediately ignore Stanford because they're often stunk in the opener. I don't think he's probably got enough momentum to actually win the thing, especially if, if Toby Gerhardt didn't. Um, and, you know, despite these records that these two guys are, are, are breaking, I think my vote, I don't have one, but I think it would go to Deshaun. Honestly, like yeah. I, I think he has been uh, the by far the most valuable player of the number one seed in the playoff, and and not only that, that you you can be the most valuable player of a team and not be just amazing, but his stats are really good, and um, he's just really good. I think I would give it to him. And since since this is the Heisman, that's all we care about. We don't care about defense or linemen, obviously. Um. If I had to make a prediction on, uh, we're recording this before the finals go out, so I would say uh, Henry Watson, McCaffrey, and Mayfield are probably your four. Maybe uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, the three are obvious, and then you've got Mayfield and Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, who is in my mind the best running back in college football this year, I think that's the other reason I can't really give it to Henry because Cook's better. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> the fact that. Florida State wasn't quite as good or at least quite as successful as Alabama and you know the offseason that Dalvin Cook had uh those two things probably rallied against him there I you know I don't know if we'll say we've seen a a three-man final finalist list before I don't know if the space will be there to where it's only three this year or, or if Mayfield or Cook get involved um if McCaffrey doesn't win it I think you may see the start of a is this a Pac-12 problem thing? Is that fair? I don't know. The Northwestern game that hurts. Stanford running the offense they run that hurts right. on the East Coast that hurts. Those nine PM kickoffs don't help. Um, if McCaffrey doesn't win, I think you may you may start to see that on both sides on, on the left coast and and on the national side of is this legit? So. I mean, we'll yeah, see. you've had you've had Mandel banging that drum all year. Um, you know, the Bay the Bay Area, Bay Area's uh, Stuart Mandel really kind of um, pushing as hard as he could for people to notice McCaffrey, and I don't know if they ever really did. Well, I think the only opportunity they really had it, it, towards the end was Notre Dame, which is a yeah. very very big opportunity. But um, I think probably they, they lacked. Um, you know, uh, gosh, who was it? I want to say it was. My, uh, our friend Braden Gall at Athlon at Sirius made a good point. I heard at some point this weekend and said, hey, if, if the Pac-12 was smart, they would have kept that Friday night spot for their conference title game. Yeah. Because then you could have had the entire eyes of, of the viewing community and the, and the Heisman voters on McCaffrey in that game. Provided yeah, he instead, does, obviously, provided he does the same thing. Instead, they were playing at the same time as two other huge, bigger games. So yeah, I mean, even though even though he did what he did, and every time I flipped over to that game, he was th- scoring on a, like a thirty yard touchdown. It seemed like yeah, um, but people were watching Clemson and people were watching Michigan State. So yeah, that was that was poor. I, I realize everybody wants to avoid the behemoth that is the SEC, and I realize that earlier kickoffs, you know, are are a struggle for a different reason for the team that's or for the conference that's out in the Pacific time zone. But yeah, Friday night would have probably been much more beneficial for them. Um, before we get out of here, do you want to pick Army Navy? I, I, I mean, is there a pick to make? So sad. So sad. This is actually one of the, you know, usually Navy struggles with the, the, 
the other teams that run option. Uh, that's kind of the one they always do a little worse against Air Force and Army than than you would expect from the numbers. Um, but this is the best Navy team in in a very long time, and and this Army team has not gained traction yet. So, um, I mean, power to Army if they can pull that one off. I don't really see that. One of the worst situations in terms of roster and. and availability and all that kind of stuff right now um munkin is building from nothing right now almost so uh it's going to be a couple more years just want to see these two teams i just want to see them competitive honestly yeah and the other munkin inherited a terrible situation and broke through in year three so we'll see yep all right sir we'll be back next week uh same same normal tuesday time uh returning and uh hopefully a bunch of fun stuff to bring as we begin to bridge into life without actual football to talk about yeehaw